0: fun and welcome to a mini episode of set lusting bruce the podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson and thank you so much for downloading this special bonus mini episode set lusting bruce has been nominated for a podcast people's choice awards and these mini episodes are my way of saying thank you for the support And also a reminder for you to go vote. Voting is going to take place from Sunday, May 29th to Sunday, June 12th. Each listener can vote once a day. Set Lusting Bruce is nominated under the music category. And I would appreciate if you would go to www.podcastawards.com. That's www.podcastawards.com every day for the next two weeks and vote for us while you're there check out the other categories and see if there are podcasts you want to support one suggestion i have is under comedy to vote for matt and mattingly's ice cream social matt is a big springsteen fan and has actually joined me on an episode coming up so it'd be nice for everyone to give their show a little love as well It is great to be nominated, but I would love to show the world the power of Bruce fandom and win this thing, my fellow Bruce Butts. Now here is your mini episode. Hello everyone and welcome to another small set of Set Lusting Bruce, a mini episode where we are discussing music and writing Joining me today is longtime friend and the ultimate cool guy, Tom Zoller. (laughs) Hi, Jesse. How are you? I am great, Tom. Um, So, we just finished doing a convention. We did, yeah. Uh, Space City Comic Con in Houston, Texas. Yes. And, um, you know, listeners, if you hang out with Tom Zoller, the coolest things happen. Um, Tom, what did we do tonight? We watched Game of Thrones with one of the actors from Game of Thrones. We did. Um, the, uh, Simon? Yeah, uh, Eugene. Eugene, a, Eugene, yes. Um, I'm getting my actors confused. Yeah, Eugene, uh, one of the Lannisters. We were a little worried we are going to be killed at yeah, the end of the... Yeah, seen the red wedding. We know how these things go, but... Uh, but, yeah, he was in there. Um, very nice. Would not answer any questions about the future. Could not even say how many episodes he's in this season. But... Um, very polite very nice guy and so that was kind of a fun way to end the convention oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. weird so, things happen yes so Tom tell our listeners who haven't listened to you on Next Stop Everywhere or on my Castle podcast tell us a little about yourself
1: uh, I am a cartoonist I work on a few comic books uh, My Little Pony is the thing I've done that most people have heard of I write and draw a superhero romantic comedy called Love and Capes my most recent thing is a romantic comedy called Long Distance about a couple trying to navigate a long-distance relationship. And I've been writing and drawing comics for the last 15 years or so. I also uh, wrote an
0: episode of the Spider-Man cartoon that aired earlier uh, in October of last year. Yes. Truly, one of the coolest things uh, that has happened to me is it's it's on the DVR, and I pause it, and, you know, it's written by Tom Thomas Zoller. Like it. And it's like... Um, I don't know why that still isn't your Facebook, you that, know, page.
1: I, I thought, oh, I, the, sadly, the reason it is not my Facebook page is I put some Darwin Cookup. Okay. Art, well, Darwin
0: cook up art. And rightly so. Uh, as we're recording this, um, we had just lost him, and, um... Well, why don't you tell the story about how he did a cover? Oh, uh, Darwin is this phenomenal
1: talent. He's an artist artist. Like, if you go through Artist Alley, everyone in there will buy whatever book Darwin had put out. And uh, when I was doing Loving Capes the, through IDW, they picked up the series after I'd self-published it. They said they wanted some guest artists to do covers to help raise sales. And I jokingly said, Ha ha, why don't you ask Darwin Cook? He's doing that Parker book for you. Ha 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 ha. And then they asked him, and this note came back of Darwin just saying, Tom's a good kid. I'd love to do it. Because in my head, Darwin always sounded like Phil Hartman's Frank Sinatra. And then Darwin just drew this adorable cover, and then he gave it to me. He, I, I offered to pay him for it, but no. He, I finally got it from him last year in Cincinnati, and it uh, sits proudly on my wall
0: in my studio. Yeah, um- just some beautiful work, um, Silver Age. Yeah, and-
1: very cartoony. Uh, a lot of the Batman animated series, Justice League animated, things like that. He had a huge hand in. He uh, he did the opening sequence for the Batman Beyond cartoon, mm-hmm. um, and some of that is like cardboard cutouts that he put on a record turntable to make work. He was just a he's a very classy guy, a very smart guy, and he I mean, he's just such a talent. Yeah. And
0: very sad that he lost this. Yeah. So, Tom, talk to me about your musical background. Tell me about what kind of music you listened to as a kid, growing up, and kind of, um, I want to hear your musical secret uh, words. I, I have horrible taste in music. Um,
1: I, I grew up in the 80s. I like 80s pop. Um, Nothing wrong with that. I, I'm a huge, huge, huge James Taylor fan. Uh, I don't know exactly where that came from. Um, he was uh, doing "That's Why I'm Here" in the '80s, uh, but I went back. I've got most of his collection. I've seen him in concert more than I think I've seen anyone else. Uh, There's just something about the, you know, the the balladeer aspect of him that really appeals to me. Um, and some of his songs, you know, "That's Why I'm Here" and uh, "Fire and Rain" really spoke to me in an early age. Uh, I loved Air Supply. Um, well, the Go Go's. Uh, I came to Queen late. I came actually from uh, uh, from after Wayne's World mm-hmm. and here in Bohemian Rhapsody. Even though I had the Flash Gordon soundtrack as a kid, because yeah. soundtracks were my my major jam. Yeah, uh, it was. They were always really great samplers because they had so many so right. many songs by different artists, and they had weird songs by weird artists. Like I remember the Back to the Future soundtrack has an Eric Clapton song. Uh, heaven is one step away, and that's the only place it is. The oh, you know it's not on it's not on another it's not on another disc. Uh, but yeah, I, I always kind of like the the pop stuff. Um, growing up in the eighties, the oldie stations played the rest of the music, the rest yeah. of rock music, because at that point it was only about twenty decade or twenty years. Um, so I love the Beach Boys. I love the I love the harmonies. I always there is part of me I think that just. A, is drawn to the art of the music, mm-hmm. so things like uh, the Beach Boys with their really tight harmonies and God only knows, or Bruce Hornsby and his piano uh, solos, uh, Billy Joel and his piano stuff. Um, you know, I love Motown. Uh, just,
0: just all that kind of stuff. You know, I we've talked a lot about movies and stuff, and I I think one of the coolest musical moments is you know, with God Only Knows and Love Actually. Oh,
1: yeah, that that's the only place I think of that now. Yeah. It, I, I can't hear that song without thinking in the movie. And it's such a yeah. perfect ending to that film.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, so, you've been drawing your whole life. You cannot remember, you've told me when we talk, you cannot remember when you didn't want to be an artist. Right. And that you've just always picked up colors and pencils and drawn. Yep. So... When did you decide you wanted to start writing? I
1: I think it came along the same time. I didn't think it would be as easy... and Easy is not the wrong word, because I was always drawing my own stories, so I think I didn't realize I was writing. Yeah. And at the time I was getting into comics, things were still very bifurcated. You didn't have a lot of people who were both artists and writers. You had them, but you knew you were going to get in as something, and it seemed... The nice thing about being an artist is you control a portfolio, and people can look at it. And it is it is easy to have that done rather than getting someone to read an actual story that you've written. And I always thought I was going to go into comics as an artist. Yeah. Uh, and really, what happened was while I was doing artwork, mostly lettering, um, for a bunch of different companies, eventually I needed to do my own thing, and I could I proved myself as a writer by writing my own stuff, and then that led to working on My Little Pony and. People read my original stuff, and and friends of mine who worked in animation got me to start submitting animation spec
0: scripts, and that got me Spider-Man. When you lettered, um, you worked for a big icon, didn't you? You lettered a certain comic of an um, 80s icon. Uh, wait. Elvira. Which, uh, yes,
1: Elvira. Uh, she had a horror mystery comedy comic published by Claypool for about 10 years. Uh, I think I started working for them in 2000, and I still work for Claypool, which is now mostly online. They don't have the Elvira license anymore. But yeah,
0: Elvira paid for my house for about 10 years. Well, I remember once there, um, you made the joke uh, there was... A new Elvira movie coming out, and you went, Guys, this is the franchise. Oh, we yeah. have to go. Yeah.
1: And I remember being in Las Vegas and uh, playing the Elvira slot machine because, yeah, you got yeah, to support the franchise. Yeah,
0: that's hilarious. Um, I wanted to talk to you about in a couple ways like, how do you use music when you're writing? Um, I know that sometimes you just want noise in the background. So talk to me about your process and when and if you use music and how does that work? Yeah,
1: I don't I don't use writing when I'm when I'm actually writing the words, especially when I'm doing dialogue. Um, no matter what I have on is noise, and eventually I can tune it out. I mean, right. I'm I'm one of the few guys I know who can write to talk radio because that's the same thing processing. Yeah. Um, but the the place I find music is important to me is when I'm plotting, because okay. it gives me a feel like a color for a scene um when i was trying to write superman stuff uh just as as spec scripts or when i was a kid Uh i knew i had it right when i could hear the john williams theme in the background yeah and there are there are songs that evoke the feeling of what i'm trying to make happen in the scene so i keep those in mind as i'm writing uh usually like i said usually as i'm plotting like if i'm there's a song by oh, is it Fallout Boy Immortals? It's on the Big Hero Six soundtrack. Okay. But that is such a action y flying and you know, from the soundtrack too, so I think that's kind of natural. But an action-y flying kind of thing that it evokes a very particular feel for what I want to do with a story about winged characters that I've I've been considering. Okay. Um, so I use it to to help me figure out plot. Not so much to figure out the dialogue part of it, part of it which has uh-huh. its own cadence and its own rhythm. Um, sometimes particular um, songs will inspire me. Um, I know there's a scene in Raider that is actually it. It doesn't. It's not what it was meant to do, but there's a scene in Raider where uh, he is injured. Um, he's got to get somebody out of a room that is filling up with water, and he has to hold the door open. This big port. Portoclis, the yeah. big spiky thing. Uh, he's got to hold that open so she can swim out. And in my head, that is very much the Alanis Morissette song. Um, oh, so you've already won me over in spite of me. Yeah. Um, because the line is, you held your breath and the door for me. And I know there's more pause in it, right. but that's that's the connection in my head. There are a lot of like dance scenes and love scenes that... You know, when I hear that music when I'm writing the scene, that's the that's the that's what I'm trying to. Vote. There's a Meredith Brooks songs, uh, "What Would Happen If We Kissed," which um, is it. There's a scene with the two of, those two characters in the Raiders story where they are dancing and there's supposed to be this sexual tension between them, and that's the song that was in my head when I was working on that scene to
0: get that feeling across. Yeah, Raiders was one. Of, Raider was one of the first books you did. It was a kind of spy adventurer, um, you did three... Yeah, um, I did three graphic novels of those. Yeah, and so that's interesting. Um, you, oh, yeah. um, and the,
1: the big one, the recent big one for me is there's a scene in Love and Capes where one of the characters goes back in time and she thinks she's failed her mission. She's not going to save her, the guy who's supposed to be, become her husband and she thinks it's the last time she's going to see him. And she runs and kisses him. And it was actually in my head when I was drawing it, too. And it was one of the few things... Because when you draw it, it rarely looks as good as it does in your head. When I wrote that scene, I could hear... Um, that lifehouse hanging by a moment. Um, oh, it's, it's going to escape me now because I'd have to sing the song and that's not going to happen. But there's another, there's another life house. It uh, feels like the first time that... Okay. I could hear that song when I drew that scene and I could picture the camera spinning around and it got everything emotionally out of that scene that I expected. Yeah.
0: That's good. Um, You also... um, Love and Capes came out as an individual issues, um, partly for Free Comic Book Day. You were a big supporter of Free Comic Book Day. And then you, um, thanks to some help from some, uh, famous friends, and because the, you know, it's not enough just to have someone helping you, the talent has to be there, and and I don't just say this because you're my friend, you know, Love and Capes is this amazing story, so it was going to be put together in a trade paperback. Yeah. So, what did you name the trade paperback? Oh, uh, the first one is Do You Want to Know a Secret?
1: Um... And you wanted a song title. I wanted a song title. They all have song titles in it. The second one is uh, Going to the Chapel. The third one is... The third one was supposed to be something else. I don't remember what it was, and I could never remember... I never wrote it down. But it became Wake Up Where You Are. Um, from... God, help me out. Who does that song? I Want to Wake Up Where You Are. I want to... I
0: don't know. I'll uh, have to look it up. Um, we'll fix this
1: in post. <laughs> But that was the title of the uh, of the third one because it is that's the newlywed year, so they are waking right. up where they are. And then the the fourth one is uh, she's having a baby. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, I I cannot urge you guys enough to check out uh, Love and Capes. You can we'll talk about that at the end of the show how you can find them. They're available in a lot of different formats, but um, it you know he tells the whole story of. Mark and Abby are in love, and there's never a doubt. It wasn't will they or won't they. It was they are. and But how do they? Yeah, how do they? And, you know, um, the pitch that I've heard more times than not is... <laughs> love and Capes is a superhero romantic
1: comedy. It's about a superhero who says, I love my girlfriend, I'm going to tell her that, but if I tell her that, I have to tell her everything. So, is there ever a good time to tell your girlfriend you have X-ray vision? What does she want for
0: Christmas when she knows you can crush coal into diamonds? Things like that. Yeah, um, so it's kind of just on a side note. um, Last Labor Day, um, Tom was at Dragon Con, and I was there too, and Tom was having a rough day. And um, so I kind of stepped up, and I was doing the pitch and talking to him, and and Tom did a tweet, it's very interesting hearing Jesse be me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How else... Has music influenced you and helped you in your storytelling and writing? Um, I think actually, a, a love of music has
1: encouraged me to have a cadence to my dialogue. That it's not it's not a rhyme, but it's a rhythm. There's a, a beat pattern that goes to it. I'm like you. I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan, and I think there is a, a musicality to his words that just knowing exactly how to end a sentence, how many syllables to put in it, you know, how to pace it, how to how to structure a beat. In fact, that's that's also something that happens in drawing and in writing comics a lot where you want to have that that moment, that pause, that that period of dead silence before the music comes back on and knowing how to structure a scene so that it plays that way, so that there are there's an actual rhythm to it that there's you know, there's almost a click pattern to it. A, you know, a click timer to it. Um, that knowing that and recognizing that that is part of storytelling is it's very important. It's one of the things I've taken from it.
0: Do um, your latest work is long distance, and it's very different than Love and Capes, though just as good. Um, but did you, in your mind, kind of and the two characters are very different. They meet in an airport. There are sparks flying, and then the it truly is. Are they they care about each other? But can this long distance relationship work? Mm-hmm. And um, it, Tom does a really good job of not ignoring the issues of a long distance relationship, but not dwelling it just on that. It it they each have their own individual lives. So, kind of in your mind, did they each have their own? iTunes playlist? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did.
1: Um, because when you start working on characters, you start figuring out, even subconsciously, you figure out things that are true about them, and then you get to a scene where you go to write a line of dialogue and it's not the way you think it should, and because you realize the character wouldn't actually say that. I remember working on like a Star Trek type of story where somebody's friend is the helmsman, and I kept wanting to write, you know, Mr. Steele, take us in. And it kept coming out, "Charlie, take us in," because I you know, even though to me, I know that he would keep he should keep the professionalism and the the command authority of being a captain that the line was wrong because the the character would actually use the guy's first name and and that was that was just very your characters get built out more than you expect them to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I can put my finger on what what music uh, each one would listen to. I have a feeling that Lee listens to much more complicated, uh, much more arty, uh, probably more alternative music than Carter. And Carter, uh, well, we know, um, actually, his, I think Carter says that he's a Jimmy Buffett fan in it, doesn't I he? I think so, yeah. He, he, very much, he, he specifically references a time where he wanted to take off early from work when all his work was done to get to a concert, and he wasn't allowed to. And this is, that's when he has his epiphany that he wants to leave his job. Because he thought it was such a silly rule, it's not that he thinks he should be able to kick off work early. It's that everything was done like he took care of all the problems he should have been able to on this one occasion leave work an hour too early, and he wasn't able to and that's the that sparks him to to uh, create his own um, create his own ad agency but uh I think in that case, he is specifically a Jimmy Buffett fan because I wanted a concert that someone would believably drive a long distance to have a reason to want to get there particularly early because of all the parrot heads hanging out right. beforehand. Um, that was actually based more on the the singer
0: and the fandom more than that particular genre of music. Yeah, I am I promise you, um, Set Lusters, I am lobbying for him to have a character that's a Springsteen fan gonna <laughs> work soon.
1: Well, you, you have to watch that because I... I have told you this before. I one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite, because it's weird ranking things like that. I love Glory Days. It is yeah. it is one of my favorite Springsteen songs and I know it gets much maligned, but it is it's one of the songs that haunted me as a kid. It was what? that and Why? Cats
0: in the Cradle. Why is that?
1: Uh, because it's one it's it's a very poppy 80s tune. And it's really easy to listen to and you know, I like the beat, I like the melody But it's a song about characters who they've gotten out of high school and they they peak too early and they're they're worried about reliving the best times of their lives and like the rest of their life is never going to live up to what happened before. And for some reason as a kid, I mean, that thought just terrified me that like this, you get told in high school, these are the best times of your life. And I'm like, but I've got like another 80 years left. What am I supposed to do with it? I want better things to happen after this. So just that that concept was something that, that really stuck with me. Um, when I went to college, when I went to art school, I I was worried about losing touch with my friends. So I made a newsletter and had them all pay like $5 or something to get this monthly. But I put on a monthly newsletter so that everybody had to write me and then I kept all my friends in touch. And that was actually called Glory Days after the, uh, after the oh, Springsteen song. Oh, how funny. Song.
0: Yes. So I I do think that and we talked about this in the um, episode where we had the Springsteen's top Rolling Stone had Springsteen's top ten songs of the '80s, and then we went through each of those. And then we said which ones would we take off, which ones we'd add. And you know, uh, Glory Days was in there. And Bob Bland, who you've met, talked about that he thinks it's it it is almost. It is, you can't get tired of that. He says, you know, there are songs that you go, okay, I'm worn out on this song. And he says, I believe Glory Days is one of the few songs that is immune to that. Just Mm -hmm. it's something about just the story and the beat and the the tone of it that, and I agree, it makes me smile every time I hear it. Yeah. Yeah, and it just has a, a thing. Why Cats in the Cradle? Uh,
1: because it's a, it's a song about a father who screws up with his son and as you're, my dad is phenomenal. Um, but for some reason that song just, it, I don't have kids, but if I ever had them, that, that song would keep me making different decisions all throughout my career because it's, it's such a, a sad you know the ending is so pathetic where he realizes that his son is just like him and yeah. you know his son is not going to come visit him and it just seemed like such a lonely depressing life that i you know it it was so fully realized and the the music and the lyrics they all they all come across in such a way that paints such a picture that i'm like i do not
0: want that to happen yeah. so
1: i will now make decisions
0: that cause that not to happen you know um there are times when you know if i had to choose when Chris was younger and if I had to choose between being a good father or working the extra hours at work I always picked being a good father so you know I did take off at three o'clock every Tuesday to be the den leader or the mm-hmm. din mom and there were a lot of dads like oh, I don't have time for that and um, you know I did a lot of the chaperoning and doing the field trips because I really, that was important to me. And um, and we now, you know, Chris is 27 and, and we have, we've gone through the bad years where he was a teenager and hated us <laughs> and lost his mind. And, you know, we've now, he's developed into this wonderful young man and he says a lot of times, young and dumb, young and dumb. I was young and dumb. And you know it's kind of hard to beat him up when he acknowledges that. Yeah. So you know we now have this friendship, and it it is a sad. I mean, Cats in the Cradle is such a sad story. To, not taking time, to enjoy the small things. Yeah, taking
1: taking that all for granted and making those kind of kind of those are the decisions that are going to haunt you. I know that there, are, there are a number of times where I am home. I get home too late, and I'm up then have to be up too late working. But I tell myself, you're not gonna you're never gonna remember that you missed an extra hour of sleep. But you're oh the thing you're gonna regret is that you didn't go out with these friends when you had a chance. Right.
0: Yeah, and you know, to go back to the beginning, uh with uh, Darren Cook dying, you know, you say something and I this I don't remember which friend of yours said it, but um take pictures of oh, you with yeah, your
1: friends. Eugene's son, yeah, take more yeah. pictures with your friends. We were both friends with Dwayne McDuffie, who yeah. uh, worked on a lot of the DC animated stuff. Um, he was a good friend, and then he died suddenly. And you, know, you, just, you don't want to have those, those things unsaid. You're, you're never not going to want more time. You just want to make sure that you appreciate and took yeah. advantage of all the time that you had. Even Darwin could be a little prickly. And he and I and a couple friends wound up having drinks and talking mm-hmm. for a huge chunk of time at that Cincinnati show. Um, I was, I didn't, it's, it's one of those things where he is enough of a, he was enough of a talent where you almost don't want to go out to dinner with him sometimes because you, you're going to get steamrolled a little bit and you kind of feel like you don't belong there. And, you know, you don't want to impose too much and you don't want to, you know, be completely out of place. But I'm so glad that I had that evening with him that night that it was, you know, I don't, I don't regret get, not going to bed early that night. Yeah. I'm, I don't remember when I went to bed that night. That's never going to be a thing I know, but yeah. I'm always going to remember hanging out at the bar talking with him.
0: Yeah. Um, it's so true. And um, the it goes back to, you know, when, you know, Springsteen, Blood Brothers, and there's, you know, he has a lot of songs about brotherhood, and especially him and the E Street Band, and you see that... Bond, especially during this last tour, I feel, and I've talked to other fans that feel like they know that this is, they're running, there's less runway in front of them than there is behind them. Mm-hmm. Not that they all think they're going to die right. right away, but they just know it's going to be shorter. Um, so you mentioned you've seen James Taylor a lot of times. Yeah, is there any song of his that you wish he would have, you could have heard him live? Mona, him live? Mona. Mona, because
1: it is such a, it's such a bizarre song. Mm-hmm. It, for those who don't know, Mona is a song that you listen to and you go, oh, it's it's this guy pining for a lost love and he misses this relationship, and then you realize he's talking about a pig on his farm. And then you realize they kill the pig and eat him. Or eat her. And it's just such a it's such a bizarre song that it, it it's so wacky that I want to see him perform it live because I don't know like I don't know how many people past Big James Taylor fans know the song. And mm-hmm. it's not in his it's not in his popular playlist. I mean yeah. he, he does he does occasionally some deep dive stuff where he did he did Millworker, which was a song he wrote for a, a musical and that's yeah. a it's interesting to hear him play it. It's a very soulful song. It's written for a female, so the pronouns are all weird. Yeah. But um, and that one really holds up. That's off his Flag album. And is it's really good. Uh, and I think, honestly, as much as I like his classic stuff, his uh, not so much his last couple albums, but his uh, That's Why I'm Here and Never Die Young and yeah. New Moonshine are just this almost perfect trifecta of music. And his live album... He was one of the first artists I know that recorded a live album at multiple locations so that he didn't have to do a perfect performance at the time they recorded it. He did a bunch of performances and picked out the ones that he liked. Oh, that's and it is, it's, it is rare to say that the live song, version of a song becomes my favorite over the classic mm-hmm. version. And there are two or three tracks on that double album that I think are better. Like Secret of Life is better in
0: live than it is okay. uh,
1: than it is in the original.
0: Okay, very nice. Well, Tom, this is great. I appreciate you taking time. I have to, especially after a really long day. If people want to find you, how can they?
1: Oh, you can find me at tomz.com, thom dot com. You can find me at loveandcapes.com. I'm at Tom Zoller, t h o m z a h l e r on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook. Look up Tom Zoller cartooning, and Tom is spelled with an H because that's the way my mom did it, and it's
0: the right way. Yes. You know, it's one of the. It funn- makes sense. It's it's really funny too. Um, one of the things that Tom is very conscientious about is when someone comes to his booth and buys a book, he always asks, Do "You want it signed to you or just signed?" Uh, because Tom realizes some people want to read it, enjoy it, and then mm-hmm. later they may want to sell it. Yeah. And if you don't, if it isn't personalized, it's a little easier to sell. And uh, and then, how do you spell that? Even if it's Mary, oh, he yeah, will you say, can... "How do you spell?" Persis- with a name, of Tom spelled T H O M. Yeah, you're gonna Bob with a silent K at some point. Yes, so. yeah, absolutely, very nice. All right, and um, I don't know what yet, but if you end up buying Love and Capes or Long Distance from his website, put the code Springsteen, and it'll throw you in something extra. So yeah. uh, I am at Jesse Jackson DFW. Um, you can find us at Set Bruce. We just created an Instagram account. I am on Facebook. And as you're going to hear and you've already heard on my pre-recorded blurbs, these e- are many episodes that I'm doing to r- urge you to go vote at podcastawards.com. Uh, we want to show the power of Springsteen fandom and try to win this. So, thank you, Tom. I appreciate oh, the time. Oh, thank you. This was great. Okay. Talk to you soon. See Bye. You. Life's good friends are hard to find And now one of mine is dead and Things I should have said to her I shall say to you instead Oh more not,
1: more
0: not. So much you to love, a bit too much
2: you to take care of. More not, more. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.